really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and anything else we can find, quite frankly, all about the world of rugby. If you'd like to get in touch, I would very much love to hear from you. I'm easy to find. I'm on the Twitters at of Scrum. I'm on the Insta at the Scrum of the Earth podcast, and I still check my email every now and then via the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. So once again, this is not your regular weekly episode, but is in fact yet another bonus episode. Today, I am for the third week in a row. Incredibly excited to welcome the MVP of the 2025 Rugby World Cup. Uh, I'm getting my predictions in now, so that way I'm going to look like a freaking genius. The incredible, nay, nay, the sensational Rachel Law. Rach, how the heck are you? Yes, I'm good, thank you. And thank you once again for having me on the podcast. So... I'm almost sad to say it. In fact, I am sad to say it, but our, our chat last week actually marked the halfway mark for our little mini-series. So what are you going to miss more, the incredible, amazing, mind-blowing World Cup we've been witnessing or my weird kind of nasal, nerdy American voice? Oh, wait, don't answer that. <laughs> no, definitely your chat. I love coming on and chatting about it. It makes my week. So, um, no, I am going to miss. I'm very, very looking forward. Very, very looking forward. That's good English. Um, I'm really very much looking forward to our chat tonight. Looking forward to hopefully what's going to be a cracking um, couple of matches at the weekend, the final and the third, fourth playoff. Um, I'm looking forward to chatting about it next week as well. So, as you mentioned, there were, in fact, two fixtures that you and I were both very much looking forward to this past weekend. I'm sure anyone uh, listening already knows the outcomes of those games. Um, but before we talk scores, I do want to start the way we've been uh, starting each time. So on a scale of one to ten, how much did you enjoy the semifinals? Um, is 11 a score? It was <laughs> incredible. And you know what? We said, oh, I think the... England Canada game, it'll be close, but I couldn't have imagined how close it was going to be. And the oh same, the, the France New Zealand, like they were two absolutely cracking games and such a great advert for women's rugby. And it just makes me even more excited for this weekend. I know it's been so good. Like I, I've already heard people saying they're worried there's going to be a letdown for the final compared to the semifinals. I, I, I can't think like that. I'm just busy aglow from these incredible fixtures we've been watching. I totally agree. And you know what makes me even more exciting is both the games were exceptional, but all four teams within the games had errors creeping up here and there. And if they mm. can nail them this weekend and play some top, 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 top quality rugby, then we're going to have two cracking games. So for the first... First semi-final this weekend, I predicted a 24-point margin between the two teams. Uh, you predicted the gap to be 19, so once again, you're closer. But as you kind of alluded to, I don't think either of us imagined for a second that the margin would be just one converted try, right? No, not at all. And hats off to Canada. They played outstandingly. They really, really did. And it was close right right up until the, the, the last kind of um, few phases and things. Canada got that penalty in the last little bit and, and drove it straight down into to England 22. And I thought, this is it. This is where we mm -hmm. get a 26 all draw and it goes to extra time. And I was I was praying and hoping, um, but no, it was an, an absolutely outstanding game. And I did not predict it to be as close as, as it was. 
that's a good trivia bit. Do, uh, do you know, has there ever been extra time in a, in a World Cup semifinal? Oh, that's a very good question. I, in a oh. women's World Cup, I don't, I don't know, actually. I feel like um, I should have looked that up before now. That's a good one. That is a very good question. I don't know the answer to that, but if it had gone to extra time, then that would have been absolutely sensational. Um, oh, what, how, where do we even start with talking about the, the England-Canada game? I think it's, there, was, there was so much to talk about. I don't know where to start. Where would you like to start, David? Well, of course, Canada, they were facing a team so heavily favored that I bet the English already had the parade route mapped out since like mid-June. Um, but And by the way, so we've got the Red Roses. Why aren't the Canada women like the Leafs or the Red Leaves or something? That would be such a good idea, a really good idea, just to give them the Red Roses and the Black Ferns. You've got kind of got your two um, kind of on par with the boys but but kind of got their own separate entity i guess you've got the wallaroos with with australia as well so i think it, it is something good that they've created they've got their own kind of standalone squad name so to speak and something that people can really get behind and and and, and support so um yeah if if canada could come up with something like that then that would be fantastic to have their own kind of identity and kind of separate them from from the men's game so, uh, you know, you said it's hard to figure out even where to start. My starting point is this match was exhausting. <laughs> like, I know it's the most tired metaphor you can possibly make in sports, but it was like a heavyweight boxing match, just so intense. And even after the fact, just watching the highlights, I honestly got chills as a viewer. What about you? Yeah, totally, totally agree. And I think the... Canada knew that this was going to be an upfront and physical game. I think they knew right from the very start, having a 7-1 split on their bench. I'm they, so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, they knew that that was going to be a, a physical forward heavy kind of game. Um, so, yes, my word, both teams put out outstanding defensive efforts. Um, and, and it was just, it was one of those games that you just couldn't take your eyes off. There was turnovers, there was, um, England looked rattled, you know, in the first kind of first few um, kind of phases, uh, first couple of minutes of the game, they looked rattled. There was a couple of uncharacteristic errors from them, couple of knock-ons, um, Scarrett got charged down. So they just, look to not be able to find kind of um themselves and Canada had shown that they were they were kind of up for it. Um it was one of those ones that I think more than anything Canada's kicking game let them down. Um mm. England we know we've talked about them in the past having having so many good kickers um and and, and are able to to spot the gaps and kind of and, and keep teams in their own half. Canada, if they could have exited slightly better and used attacking kicks to their advantage, then they, then I think it would have been a different story, unfortunately. So, by the way, Canada's fly half, Alex Tessier, uh, it took my partner like five minutes before she started referring to her as Merida, which I've decided to totally go along with. I love yes, that. Yes, so good. Yes, I love that. <laughs> so, so, so what were some of the things that sort of jumped out of this match for you? So I thought the 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 England team came into it with I've just spoken about how kind of rattled they kind of looked, but they came into it with a hell of a lot of confidence. They backed their scrum a lot. They took the first penalty opportunity that they got. Um, they they kicked to the corner. Um, they they got their their mall moving. They dominated the scrum early on. They got that early try from from a line out mall. They they were up for it up front. 
they were kicking for territory they were they were looking to use their set piece to to kind of win them territory and and, and win them uh, possession so England looked good and they looked comfortable in terms of their counter-attack as I mentioned Canada's kicking wasn't particularly accurate and it was good to see England's back three getting involved early on as well. I think it was kind of 12, 12 minutes in or so. Helena Rowland spots an out, outstanding gap. She goes on the outside um, and, and she gives it to a two-on-one to, to um, score in the corner. So England looked good early on, but that's when Canada came into their own. Um, I thought Paquin's um, score, um, the uh, Canadian nine um, absolutely outstanding. Um, makes a break off off the scrum, puts it on the outside of her boot, um, and as as all good flankers are doing, they're they're right there, and and they they scored it. So there was parts of it that so I she showed serious pace too. Paquin did. She, she, even the comms were kind of like, what? What are we looking at? <laughs> I wondered if that's a move that they've practiced and she knew exactly what um what, what where everything was going and, and 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 what was kind of come of that. But um yeah, she was absolutely outstanding pace-wise. She outdid um both England wingers uh, and their 15 and the 10. So um no, it was a, an exceptional um bit of skill from 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 the Canadian nine. So um yeah, and then England looked a bit rattled after that. Um mm. it, they just they they, there was too many errors for uh, they, they needed a bit more composure for me um England but Canada kept on the the gas pedal and um, kept on kind of knocking knocking at their their door um and yeah no it was it was a, a really 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 good um game do you think England might have you know maybe they expected to be up 21 nil at that point or something do you think that's what sort of unnerved them a little bit yeah, I think more than anything, I think they 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 went into it with with the confidence, which I, you have to do. But at, at the end of the day, I think they went into it with a little bit too much confidence. They were sitting kind of what twelve five up, I think, in in at kind of oh gosh, I think it was about twenty five minutes or so into the game. They get an easy penalty that they could slot over, take it to fifteen five, but they go for the corner. Unfortunately, it doesn't kind of um, come come through for them. They get held up by Canada really, really nicely, and it's those sorts of things. If if they were thinking actually this is going to be a challenge we're in good field position we've got a nice easy penalty Scarlett will knock that over every day of the week then yeah we'll go for it they go for the corner it's one of those ones it's high risk high reward in that situation knowing what Canada were going to come back at them I personally would have gone for the points so I think it was one of those ones that England went into it with the confidence that you probably need to go into a World Cup semi-final with, but I think they probably should have played it a little bit smarter in terms of getting points on the board, keeping mm. that scoreboard ticking over and stopping Canada from coming into it um, at a half-time score um, of, of um, what was half-time score? Was it 12 all at half-time? I think it was 12-15. 12-15 at half-time. So going into it, you'd much rather of, of, of kind of taking those points nice and earlier rather than 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 at the um, kind of last minute of, of, of the game, so, uh, of the first half, sorry. So lots of kind of confidence, um, confident-looking play from England, but whether or not they should have played it a bit smarter is is, is something that they'll, they'll probably be thinking they probably should have done. Canada's black kit. Like it? Dislike it? Do you know I do? I always like a black kit. I don't know what it is. I do like their red kit though. I think both the Canadian strips mm. are particularly nice. Um I probably prefer their black strip. Black always looks good, doesn't it? So yeah. um, no, I do. I think it's smart. And it's it's something that I don't know this sounds silly, but um having nice tight fitted 
shirts makes a difference um, in terms of, of how it looks and, 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 and probably how they all feel as well. Majority of the time we have to, I know in, in club rugby in, in Scotland, we have to play with kind of the men's old I was strip. just going to say, w- women wearing women's clothes? What? Well, this must I be a know. revolution in rugby. I know. So actually them having nice, not I don't know if stylish is the right word, maybe stylish, but nice fitted strips that, that look good confidence boost in itself and and having female sizing um is is fantastic to see as well so you already mentioned emily scarrett um her kicking technique you have to love that little scamper she does sort of in the lead up to her kick she's kind of like boop 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 kick it's great um and the second conversion attempt by the way um she nailed the first one the second one she bounced it off the post and i suddenly was wondering if you were trying to kick a ball off the post, would it be easier to do intentionally or unintentionally? I feel like it happens a lot more unintentionally. It does. No, it very much does. And 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 Scary is is probably one of the best goal kickers out there. Um, she does. Do you know? I think. Do you remember when she used to wear two knee pads? And whenever she used to kick, um for for post she always used to roll her knee pads down and I was like I think that would annoy me with little things hanging around your ankles and extra but then again I was like oh maybe it's an extra weight encourages her to get through the ball a bit more but um no she's uh, <laughs> she's one of the most outstanding um kickers kind of in women's rugby at the minute so um it's one of those ones that um yeah she bounced it off the upright and I don't think she'd be able to do that again if she tried so <laughs> So, as you already mentioned, there was only three points separating these teams at halftime, but in the second half, Abby Dow's second try. I mean, that was a backbreaker for Canada. They had been knocking on the door for, I don't know, four or five minutes. They were so close, and then presto, a lightning strike. Abby Dow is in. That that must have been deflating for Canada. Yeah, massively so. There was such good phases of play by Canada knocking at as you say knocking at that that English line for 13 phases it was in total there was a turnover to England a turnover to Canada a turnover to England and then that's when they, they went and and Claudia McDonald in, a, in an interview after the game said that that her and Abby they, they played together at Wasps and they'd said um oh that's something that we'd actually practiced at Wasp a, a counter-attack um where the pair of them them link up and boy was that wow. standing finish so hats off to to Claudia and and, and a, a gorgeous finish by Abby Dow but the Canadians were dead on their feet. They'd gone through 13 solid, solid um, phases of play. They'd been um, kind of in, in the, the English half for, for a good chunk of, of that um, kind of first part of the second half. So they were dead on their feet and then they just got yeah. caught short on the outside. Um, some lovely footwork from, from Claudia and then a gorgeous pass over the top. Abby Dow's got absolutely outstanding pace on her. Um, she, she broke her leg seven months ago and she was told it was a a nine month recovery and she is scoring tries like that after only seven months it is absolutely oh my gosh I had no idea that's amazing yeah so incredible and she's 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 got some gas on her so no it was um yeah not afraid to uh, to throw a nice fence as well not afraid to shove somebody to the ground on her way how strong is she as well? You see her cutting back in and you go, oh, I probably wouldn't do that. And then she pops someone on the floor and you're like, oh, okay, fair enough on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like she's like DuPont. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Here's it comes a little step. Whoa, what happened? 
yeah no it was um no it was where one of those ones that she's she's so so strong um such a good ball carrier super super speedy good feet work feet work footwork um so feet work good feet work yeah it's feet work um so right at the end Canada I don't know if you even noticed this when I was I didn't notice it at the time I was just on the sort of looking at the highlights later you know the clock's in the red the English know they just have to kick it out they go to kick it out Canada almost charged that ball down they they were like an inch away from getting that can you imagine if that if they had somehow gotten possession of the ball as it was being kicked out and turned things around I mean oh my gosh no, it was it, and even the, the phases leading up to that, there, there was so much heart shown by the Canadian team. They had an absolutely outstanding break from um, Faris from their own twenty-two, made it all the way up the field, and then a gorgeous um, break from the, their number twenty, which is uh, book book boom book boom. Um, so it was it was book boom the, the the living manifestation of uh, nominative determinism. <laughs> <laughs> it was an outstanding break from her as well. She makes an absolutely gorgeous line. So there was so much spark in that Canadian attack in, in, in the last five minutes of the game that I was like, sitting there thinking, I was like, come on, Canada, this would be outstanding if they could get over the line. Um, but yeah, how close they were to to, to charging down the, the English um, clearance kick to get it off the park to finish the game. It would have been outstanding if they'd have kept that in, went the full 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 distance and scored it. Um, but yeah, unlucky. oh my gosh, the celebrations would still be going all across yeah. Canada. Oh my gosh. Um, so I want to play a new game with you. Uh, the game is called "What Made the Difference," <laughs> which is exactly as self-explanatory as it sounds. So for you, uh, what made the difference in this match for the Red Roses? What was the key to their getting this win? I am going to say um, accuracy of kicking. I'm going to say in terms of the scores that England scored, counter-attack, their counter-attack is fantastic. So if you put in a poor kick, it goes straight down the middle or it doesn't go into touch when it needs to go into touch. That's when England come alive. Yes, they've got a fantastic pack and they're, they're, they're really, really good um, at their set piece, their scrums, their line-outs, they're fantastic at. But poor kicking... Poor kicking from Canada led England to have too many opportunities and really, really good kicking from England allowed them to use their set piece really, really well um, and, and get into the areas of pitch that they, that they wanted to play in. So kicking for me was probably the the, the difference um, because I think the two of them matched up fairly well in, in terms of the physicality. And we knew that right from the start, as I said, the 7-1 split on the bench, we knew Canada were up for it up front. So um, for me, I think the accurate of kicking um, was probably what, what let Canada down and, and what won it for England. Uh, the 7-1 split on the bench I thought was such a cool thing and then also it sent such a clear message like we're telling you right now exactly what we're going to do this weekend and we think we're going to win anyway like it was just a I thought it was a bold bold move. No I agree totally totally agree and I think that it was yeah as you say a, a big bold statement Canada basically saying bring it to us we are we are ready for this we are, mm -hmm. we are um to throw absolutely everything at this and, and we are going to defend you to to the very last minute um so yeah oh, I wish it, I wish it could have been I wish it could have been but um an absolutely outstanding show of of of, of the the skill that the Canadian rugby team have
So if you would, please give us your player of the match. The uh, the official player of the match was Zoe Aldcroft. Um, I wonder if you have a different selection. Mm, gosh, that is a tough question. I am probably going to say, I thought England's Helena Rowland had a very good game until she went yep. off injured. She made um, 140 metres with the ball in hand, which wow. is absolutely outstanding. She's got such a fantastic step and she's someone that England are really, really going to miss this weekend because she's out injured, unfortunately. Oh, she's definitely she's definitely out? Oh. She's out, unfortunately. They, they named their squad just earlier on today and and, and she's not in it. And she, she posted on, on Instagram to say absolutely gutted to for her World Cup to, to end oh, this man. week. She's backing the girls all the way. But I thought she had an exceptional game before she went off. You have to mention Claudia McDonald and, and, and Abby Dow. Can you tell my back? I do like talking about back. Sorry. Um, but... <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. <laughs> I, will, I will come back to um, Sarah Byrne. I thought had an outstanding game at, at, at a prop. Canada, the, the Canadian nine, she's such a live wire. I think she's yep. a, a fantastic player. Um, I thought their their eight, um, Dagudi, she's outstanding as well. She gets me every single time with her kicking and, and, and with her ability. I mentioned it last week as well. And an interesting one from her, both her mum and her dad have captained Canada at World Cups. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So she is um, the third person in her family to captain Canada at a Rugby World Cup. So I thought that was outstanding. So I think she had a fantastic game as well. Oh, such a difficult one. I'm probably going to see... Yeah, it's got. I would have probably agreed. Zoe Alcroft had a, a really good game. She was solid in the line-out, solid in the scrum, had a numerous fantastic carries. Solid in defence, she she tackles everyone and everything and got over ball a few times. So I'd probably agree with them there um, on picking Zoe Alcroft. She's she's someone who who goes under the radar a lot, as most good second roles do. They do their job, mm. they do their job well, and you don't notice them. But them doing their job makes a difference to the team. So I'd probably say um, she 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 did play very very well. So. Uh, I do have to keep things moving along. So the second game, obviously, was New Zealand versus France. For this one, I guess the Black Ferns would win by 26, while you saw just seven points separating the two teams. By the way, I think that means you've officially kicked my ass at the predictions game. Way to make me look bad on my own show. Thanks. <laughs> um, but I would never have imagined it was going to be as close as it was. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I feel... I mean, France came out and scored first and then also scored second. Like, I never in a million years thought that's how it was going to go. No, but both teams had looked so, so, so good. They, they was, there was elements of, of everything that looked so good. I think um, Coxage had set the tone. First 30 seconds of the game, you get a penalty. What do you do? Oh, she quick taps it. As you do, I think that set the tone for the, the whole game. She was keen for um, playing quickly. Um, she, they got a fantastic score from a, a free kick, just taking it quickly um, for for um, Fleur to go over in the corner. So it, it was fantastic. It was such, oh, I can't, words can't even describe it. it was that good. It was just such an exciting game of rugby. Right until the, the, the last minute, it was, um, yeah, an absolutely an exceptional show of, of women's rugby. What else sort of popped out for you for the for this one? It, like it's almost impossible to put your finger on one thing because there were just it was just moment after moment, just nonstop, incredible. 
No, it was, um, as I said, New Zealand's speed of play was exceptional, but you have to take your hat off to France's defence. Gosh, it was something like the first half, 103 tackles made by France and just 59 made by New Zealand. So the French defence was absolutely fantastic. There were some tackles going in left, right and centre. Um, the France 12, um, Bernay, she was hitting everything. I want to talk about her tackle on um, Ruby Chewy a little bit later on if we can. Oh, it's, it's, it's next on my list, definitely. It's next on my list. I'm gl- a great minds think alike, don't they? <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was New Zealand's style of playing was they were keen to keep it nice and tight for a good few phases and then look to use their dangerous wingers. Their whole back line is dangerous. Their 10 carries quite a lot to Matt. Um, they've got two fantastic centres outside them. So for me, New Zealand looked really, really exciting in attack. As I said, in that first half, um, France were, were were defending quite a lot, but when they got it right, they got it right. Um, they, the, first, the first 10 minutes, France had most of the ball um, and, and New Zealand were doing a, a lot of defending. Um, but yeah, it was one of those ones that it was to and from, to and from. Um, five minutes in here, we were with New Zealand um, on, on France's line. The next two minutes time, we were, we were down on the, the, the other side of the pitch. So it was so exciting. Was there a standout bit for me? Standout bit for me was probably Joy Neville shouting, Jouet! Jouet! Was there a bit for me? Do you know, I, I, the, the moment of the game was probably in that 80th minute, the 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 French um, getting the penalty and, and yeah, it's one of those ones that a World Cup semi-final you get the opportunity to to beat New Zealand in New Zealand and and the, that is such a high pressure kick and just yeah unlucky yeah. unlucky and something that 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 will will probably play on the on her mind for some time but um yeah that was probably So you, you already um mentioned the tackle I'm sure we're talking about the same one when Ruby Tui got absolutely smashed into the ground. It was like a pile driver in, in wrestling or something. So I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned this. So a few weeks ago, I sort of floated this idea that was sort of half formed in my head. Um, and now all of a sudden, this, this past week, I've been hearing a bunch of other people sort of speculating the same thing. So back in the day in the NBA, when Shaquille O'Neal was playing, people could basically just mug him on the court without ever getting called for it. And it was obvious the officials were kind of like, ah, look at that guy. There's no way you can hurt that dude. And then in, you know, in American football, my New England Patriots, we had a, we had a guy we called Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, same thing. He's just so big and so strong. Officials were like just really hesitant to call fouls against him. When I watch the women's game, I see a lot of high tackles that just sort of slip by uncalled. That tackle on Ruby Two, I felt like that was a yellow card, maybe even a red if it was in the men's game. Do you think there is unconscious bias in the way the women's game is officiated? Are the refs, without necessarily even being aware of it, sort of thinking, well, that girl's not that big, so I don't think she's really going to hurt anyone out there? Yeah, do you know, it's an interesting one. So there is, there's lots of chat. When we've gone to the TMO throughout the whole whole kind of um, the, 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 this whole tournament, when we've gone to the TMO, there's lots of chat about 
okay, so that was a high shot. We've got contact to head, but there was no real force. There was no real force. There was no force. And I think it's one of those ones that, yes, okay, there was no force in it, but that was still a shoulder contact to the head. And in a men's game, yes, okay, force is one of those factors, mitigating factors, or oh, it was low force and things like that. But I think they've said it far too many times. And there are some collisions in women's rugby which are, are very high force. There's some collisions in women's rugby which are, are less of a force. I still think in terms of shoulder contact to the head, you've got to be starting at a red card. And I think the force side of it, yes, okay, it comes into it, but I think we've heard it too many times times um and I think some of these things they don't look high force but if I was on the receiving end of that I would not want to be so it's one of those no, ones I, I, I couldn't agree more and like if the purpose of having these rules is to stop the behavior then somebody feeling like oh well I'm allowed to do that because I'm just not strong enough for them to to send me off the pitch like that's not going to accomplish what the point of the rule is right no, yeah, I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. I think coming back to, to the, the tackle on Tui, you could tell that the French were targeting her. Her and Portia Woodman, they were they were properly targeting her, um, um, the pair of them, shutting down the, their space as much as possible and putting in those shots. Do you know those tackles where you could just soak it up and you could just make a, a, a passive tackle? No, 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 they were not for having that. The two French centres, Varney and the, 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 the 13, were levelling folk left, right and centre. So um, true. It was, and some of the hits, my word, they were textbook tackles. The one on Ruby Tui, it's one of those ones. So what would you have given? Would you have given a yellow card? I think a yellow, definitely. Yeah, it's one of those ones. It was I the was, lifting motion. It, it was the, it, she went, you know, beyond the horizontal and landed on the back of her head, basically. At, like you could see the look on her face. I thought that said it all. Yeah, the only thing that I would add to that was I think actually what happened after that tackle, the um, who the the New Zealand fifteen flies in and hits Verney in the almost in the face. You'd probably argue after mm. she landed on top of of, of Ruby Tui, and I thought to me that looked a little bit dangerous as well. It's one of those ones you can't referee it all the, you can't referee it all there's going to be rugby collisions within rugby and it's one of those ones is it a good collision is it safe has the tackler done the job to ensure player safety you could argue probably not in that regard she had lifted her over the horizontal mm. um, so I, I do agree with with the referee but yeah it was one of those ones that that, that was um good i'm glad that they had a discussion about it yeah and to be fair I thought the refs were really consistent, especially after that. Like there, there were two yellow cards, both for almost the exact same thing. And it, it's the worst when you see a match and one person gets carded for an action, then you see somebody do the same thing and they don't mention it or they just say it's a penalty. I thought they were very consistent, very good in enforcing those things. Both of those were things they had to go back and look to and then go, oh, yep, yep, that's it. So I thought that was really good. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Um, and they said, I think they said when they were reviewing the second one, they said, exactly the same as the one that we yep. had before for, 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 for them for France so yeah I think they were very very consistent I also have liked and, and something that um, Joy Neville's particularly good at Holly Davidson is also very good at the commentary 
around the the decisions yep. the explanations is, is is absolutely outstanding um and something that that is is is, is really really important um in in both women's rugby and men's rugby is making sure that the referees are clear and concise on what they want and and, and how they keep everyone safe so no i thought the consistency was 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 really good um from from the referees um and and yeah i think that they got the, the the correct decisions in terms of those those yellow cards both of them so I don't know how this happened. You and I are on our sort of third episode and we still haven't gone on and on about Stacey Fuller. I mean, how good is she? Outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that she's so solid in defense. She, she, she reads things and sees things before I think they've even happened. And I'm like, how, how has she managed to be there? Defensively, I thought she was outstanding. And in attack, she's such a live wire. She's everywhere. She pops up here, there, and everywhere. And the lines that she runs is outstanding. Her and Fitzpatrick at, at, te, at, at 10 and 12, at 12 and 13, they, they match up so nicely and the, their, their, their styles of rugby complement each other really, really well, which makes them such an attacking threat. And when you've got the likes of Ruby Tui or, or Portia Woodman outside you, if you're getting through half a gap and giving it to them, they're scoring every day of the week. So, no, I think she's outstanding. The whole New Zealand back, I'm like their biggest fans. I'm like, woo! Um, no. <laughs> well, well, actually, thank you for uh, lobbing that one over the plate for me. Um, because uh, I was going to say, you can take, you can get out your little white pom-poms. All throughout this tournament, we've seen the little white pom-pom things in the, in the crowd. What do you think? Good? Bad? What are those I things? Love- I love them. So my parents went out to to New Zealand to watch my um, sister um, play for Scotland, and they came back and, gosh, they must have got into um, back into to, to. I was looking after their dog, so I was I was there for, with when they came back into the house. And uh, the first thing they got out was my dad was like, "Look at my things," and they said apparently it was it was um, they had to always keep them on show. They weren't allowed to put them in their bag. If they popped them in their bag, it was bad luck, and they had to always have them on show. And it was a sign of good luck to have them on show but they said they were fantastic it was wow. a really good week to to get the atmosphere going um and yeah everyone had them swinging them about um so no i'm not entirely sure what they're called i'm sure andy law would be able to tell me but um i'm not entirely sure what they're called but i thought they were a fantastic way to get um the the, the crowd involved and, and engaged and um get a bit of atmosphere about the place that's really clever too like don't put it away that's bad luck yeah. like, oh okay <laughs> that's awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it was um yes they they and they've they've kept them my parents have both got both of those theirs and a, a really nice memento for um a keepsake for for coming back from the world cup so you already mentioned this too when when france did get that penalty basically right at the very end in that moment as you were watching in real time if you had been forced to wager on the outcome where was your money at that moment do you know what i thought she had it She's kicked very, very, very well um, in it throughout the, the 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 whole of this campaign. I thought France played some some really nice rugby. They had some fantastic lines. Uh, Berenice in the first half scored an absolute scorcher, um, an absolute wonderful line. Um, and and the, the, their offloading game, um, Manje to Safi coming on their offloading game was was outstanding. One of those ones. I would have backed her to, to, to have slotted that over the post and, and to have won that game. The pressure, the it's it's so, so tough. It was it wasn't a gimme. It's not like it was, you know, right in front or anything. It was, you know, 
fair distance on it, but she's she's slotted them from there before. I think the pressure, the 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 crowd as well. You're you're playing against New Zealand in New Zealand in a semi final, and you could potentially be putting the home team out of out of their own out of the, a final. So the pressure was 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 huge. It I would have backed her to to have got it, but um, unfortunately, unfortunately not. Um, and I think I think New Zealand were lucky because there was there was parts of that second half that they seemed to switch off in D and and mm. and particularly the 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 French the the, the last score. Um, they they I don't know what New Zealand were doing. I don't know what they were looking at, but it it seemed almost too easy for for France. So um, yeah, it was it was one of those ones that. I would have backed her to 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 get it, but unfortunately, yeah, not 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 her day. Unfortunately, not France's day. So, in the second uh, second edition of our new game, what made the difference for the Black Ferns in this one? What was the key to them winning? It's a difficult one because like we're so so close, and in actual fact, looking at it, if we'd have slotted that, that would have been a completely different story. In terms of Something I noticed in the second half that, that the New Zealand started to do and whether or not that was kind of words said at, at halftime, the French defence was outstanding. As I mentioned before, there was 103 tackles in that first half to just 59 from New Zealand. So That's they a were great stat. That's awesome. Defensively, almost double the amount of tackles. And the French were getting off the line. They were getting up and they were getting in, in the New Zealand faces and, and cutting down space. The New Zealanders... The Black Ferns noticed that in the second half and we started to see little grubbers coming through, little kind of chip over the tops and playing into that space behind that Russian French defence. That got them some really, really good go forward ball. The New Zealanders as well, they love kind of little picks through the rucks. Um, Coxedge mans it all very, very well, but the, the speed of play from the New Zealanders, their ability, their handling ability and their, their their passing skill is just outstanding so for me it was probably the the speed of ball that they were able to to achieve um and and it was just simple passing that that, that probably um secured it for them and do you know what probably a little bit of luck within that as well the, the, the gods were on their sides and and as much as that's heartbreaking for, for so. the French, they probably were because it would have been very very different when they were lining up that last second kick, the faces on the Black Ferns, they looked like they were preparing themselves for a massive heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. And you know what the crowd were as well? Um, they panned into the crowd and there was there was tears from, from some supporters. And I think they all fully thought that she was going to get it and they thought that was game over. Um, so, yeah, obviously New Zealand, they're one of those teams that play outstandingly well. France, they played well. I... I I would probably say New Zealand did have the better half of them, even though the, the scoreline um, maybe didn't quite reflect the, the, the game that was played. Um, but yeah, New Zealanders looked like it was going to be complete heartbreak. Um, and then obviously it's one of those ones because you're kind of celebrating someone's mistake. Mm, yeah. It's, it's difficult in that regard. Um, but at the end of the day, a win's a win. And, and that's that's rugby. <laughs> that's rugby. Yeah. So the official player of the match in this one was Sarah Harini. Um, who would be your player of the match for this one? Oh, um, I would. Cox Edge played really, really well. She, as she I said, she, she demands what she wants. She she marshals the forwards so, so well. She gets them to do the hard yards and then she's got an outstanding delivery. 
good um, kind of vision in terms of her kicks and things. I thought she played really well. I thought Fitzpatrick, Fleuler, um, Woodman and, and, and Ruby Tui and DeMatt for that, the whole back line. Oh, can't give it to them all. Um, I thought they all had really, really good games. Um, I thought um, Druan and, and Bourdon for, for France played really, really well. Um, I thought... Um, their young 15, uh, Boulard, had uh, had a really good game. She's so dangerous on counter-attack. I, don't I think thought their scrum half was great too. She she was so sort of methodical and just really taking her time. She like she was unflappable out there. She was awesome. She is. How she manages to play with her hair just in plaits and not in a ponytail. <laughs> I I'm like, I struggle with having it in a ponytail and not having it in my face. How on earth does she manage it? I was wondering. It's a, it's it's a magical quaff. It's very strange. Very much so. Very much so. But no, she's always been. She's always been a very very good nine. I think she's she's fallen maybe with Sances, who I, I talk about her every single week, don't I? I think she no is. Yeah, she is absolutely outstanding. She's a big loss for them. Uh, I think it's one of those ones that. Any any nine runs as a scrum half. Any nine runs uh, runs a, a, a team. I would say the great connection between your your forwards and your backs. Um, so I would say yeah, Bourdon and um, Joanne had really really good games um, for France. Coming back to your question because I've chatted for too long. I would probably say Cox Edge for me was probably my man of the match. Uh, woman of the match for for that game she she just runs the show far too well for for um yeah for my like and she's she's absolutely outstanding so yeah I'm she's excited. been a little she's been a little under the radar this tournament and I think she finally you know showed us the what the Kendra we expected to see this time yeah I agree I think coming into this I wasn't too sure if she was any good um I think in the semi-final and I think in this final she's she's going to do it so show us just how good she is and I think it's going to be a really good good contest um between um Leanne um she's married now so she's not Riley Infante um I, I playing for England at nine um and and Cox Edge so I think it's going to be a, a very good matchup between the pair of them probably be niggling at each other because they're 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 both little little sassy nines but I think that that matchup should be really good that that's that's part of the job description I think right it is it is Part tender, Jack Russell Terrier has to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think all my favorite scrum halves are incredibly annoying, and it's only because I happen to be rooting for them that I don't that they don't just piss me off endlessly. Exactly. No, I, uh, I, uh, as someone who has great experience of being told, "Will you just be quiet?" from the referee, <laughs> <laughs> then I can fully get on board with that statement. <laughs> So that, of course, brings us to this coming weekend. There are two remaining matches. I swear, I keep forgetting there's two. Uh, how hard is it to get fired up for a th this third place match? I think hard, but I also think that France have won bronze, bronze if we're calling it that, have won third place bronze six times. Six times. It's one of those ones that you don't want to be in that third, fourth playoff. You want to be in that final. But if you can go out of this World Cup on a high, then that's the way to do it. 
France will be up for it. They'll be heartbroken with the way that that semi-final ended. They'll feel robbed, probably, um, and they'll want to put in a, a, a good performance. Canada have absolutely nothing to lose. They have played outstandingly well against England. I think if they can do their basics right and front up once again in what's going to be a particularly forward-heavy game, if they front up the way that they did against England, I think this game could be really, really close. Once the French players are able to get over just this, the, the emotional letdown, how hard that must have been to lose at the last second, once they get past that, this has to be really good for them, though, right? Like, because they were basically a Sansu's injury away from possibly taking down the Black Ferns at home. Yeah, no, massively so. And they'll have to take. Yes, the disappointment of that, but but also the the encouragement of just how close they were um, into to this next game. As you say, they were they were an injury or two away from from beating the Black Ferns at home. So um, it, it's one of those ones that they'll they'll take into this game and probably into to lead up into Six Nations and things into the coming year. Um, they they've played very very well in in lots of aspects of um, of of this World Cup. Another kind of um, thing that I noticed in the, the game against the Black Ferns was by 52 minutes, France were into double turnovers, one against the Black Ferns. If Canada are going to kind of maintain possession and be able to get into areas of the pitch that they're able to, to convert into points, they need to keep hold of the ball and they need to keep that ball safe. France have some absolutely exceptional um, players who are, are really, really good at getting over ball, really good body height and body position and quick, very, very quick in there. So Canadians need to keep that ball safe, need to, to go in pairs into to contact. Um, and I think the, the front up physical battle that the pair of teams are going to put into to this third, fourth playoff is going to make it an outstanding match. So that does make it time for our predictions. Um, do you want to go first this time or do you want me to? <laughs> oh, do you know what? Go on, I'll go first. I am going to say France... 24, Canada, 15. Ooh. So I think I'm probably going with my heart rather than my head with this one. I think, in fact, both my predictions are that. I'm going to say Canada, 24, and France, 21. I think Canada are going to pull out a Canadian miracle. I like that. I like that a lot. And you know what? I would probably prefer that to be the outcome. As the only amateur team left in it, I would absolutely love and I think what a fantastic um, opportunity for, for Canada to turn around and say, we've just come third at a World Cup final competing against people whose jobs it is to, to do this. You've got to put some funding into this and you've got to back us because we are absolutely outstanding. So I, I pray and hope that I am wrong, but I'm going to stick with my prediction. So that, of course, brings us down to, in my opinion, the best two teams in the tournament um, where uh, it's going to be an epic showdown. Um, what are the Rachel Law keys to this match? So, as I said, I think New Zealand's are going to have to keep tight hold of ball, something that they, they struggled with against France. Um, I think the upfront battle is going to be outstanding, but I think the backs is where it's going to be at. We've seen, I, I mentioned that um, England have unfortunately lost Helena Rowland and they've got an interesting back line. Um, they, they have been playing Tatiana Hurd at 12. They're actually starting um, Aitchison at 12. So whether or not they're, they're having um, 
Her div is fantastic. She's she's crash ball 12. She's your ta- classic Hulangi style player. Um, Aitchison, a bit more, is agile the right word? I don't mean that in a bad way, but a bit more agile. So whether or not they've got kind of a, a different game plan, whether or not they're, they're not planning on just a crash up um, kind of carry heavy um, game and a game plan and whether or not they're, they're planning to kind of use their backs a bit more. I think it's going to be a real match up between the two. You've got Lydia Thompson on one wing against Ruby Tui, and you're going to have Portia Woodman against um, Abby Dow. Matchups there, absolutely outstanding. You've got pairings in the centre of, of, of Scarrett and Aitchison versus um, Fluner and um, Fitzpatrick. The back lines are, are sensational. The packs are looking stacked as well. So it's going to be one of those ones that's going to be so tight and it's going to be a game of margins. If you get into a good position, I would say both teams should be taking points, easy points. Back themselves to a certain degree if they've been putting on a load of pressure and they've been down in 22s for, for, for a good long time and they can feel either penalty tries coming or or they can feel um, that, they, that they're going to get over the line, then go for it. But I think they need to play it safe because it's going to be a blooming tight match um, and it's going to be a tight a tight uh, a game of, of, of small margins, I'm imagining. I have just a, a smattering of bits and bobs for you. Um, the Black Ferns are, of course, the last side that England lost to. That was in July of 2019. Oh, my gosh. Um, and the Red Roses have never beaten New Zealand at a World Cup. Uh, New Zealand's team for this final contains 11 players who suffered the record 2021 defeats, and six of them who won, uh, six players were in that 2017 decider, whereas there are nine players in England's team who lost that final. Um The final, of course, is going to be played at Eden Park in Auckland, where New Zealand have never lost. And this one completely blew my mind. Before this World Cup, no one had ever paid to watch the Black Ferns play in New Zealand. That's mind-boggling to me. And the the, the I've got for you, by the end of this tournament, more than 140,000 fans will have been at the games, which is way more than any other World Cup. The total attendance in 2017 was 45,412. So three times as many. That's just unbelievable. Um, So the last one for this tournament, what is your prediction for the 2021 Rugby World Cup final? Mm, ah, I was thinking about this as I was driving back from training and I was thinking, I am going to see New Zealand by two points. I am going to go New Zealand 24, England 22. Wow. We, we do think, think we do think alike. I said England 27, New Zealand 28. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. One last thing I just want to put out there is Eden Park is sold out. Sold out for this yep. final. It is going to be incredible. So many people around the world have been tuning in. The coverage from ITV, STV, wherever you are, has been brilliant. I think this is going to be the breakthrough moment for women's rugby around the world. We have got the outreach. We have got the coverage. We have got the skill and 
exciting games that people want to see. And I think this yeah. is going to be the moment that if you look back in history, and I know that sounds a bit dramatic, but if you look back in history and go, where was the turning point for women's rugby? I'm going to say the 2021 Women's World Cup final was where it all started growing. So, yes. I couldn't agree more. And, and like you said, you know, I, I swear, I stared at this number for so long. The total attendance in 2017 was 45,000. Eden Park seats 40,000 people and they're sold out. Like, that's unbelievable. That's so great. So, so good. And the atmosphere is going to be outstanding. I think it's going to be England are going to need to bring it. New Zealand play with that 16th man, so to speak, having an atmosphere and a crowd mm. that back them so much. So I think it's going to be an outstanding final. I'm very, very excited. Um, and I can't wait to to, to see the, the, the rugby on display. Rachel, my friend, I am seriously going to miss this. <laughs> um, any last thoughts before we call it for another week? No, I think they, have, they were too cracking semi-finals um some of the most closely contested games that we that we've seen um and and there there's more to come the third fourth playoff should be a fantastic game i hope canada can 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 prove a a, a big point um mm. and, and, out there and, and put a good score on against france and when you know when things came down to it the fear people had about england just blowing the doors off people that that's not what's transpired at all it's the whole thing's been you know five times better than even the biggest optimists I think we're predicting. No, I totally agree. And do you know what? I saw a lot in the media this week as well going, oh, did um, did England lose it or did Canada, did, no, did did England win it or did Canada lose it? And things like that, talking about, mm. oh, did, did England play badly or did Canada play well? Things like that. And do you know what? Canada played outstandingly well. It's one of those ones that you have to play well in a World Cup final. World Cup semi-finals you've got to put the performances in and I don't think England played the best that they could have done but hats off to Canada for, for playing outstandingly well sorry minor side point but it just I was just no that's excellent some bits and pieces and I was like mm, it's an interesting one but as you say we thought England were going to come out and, and and put in some some big hefty scores we thought it was going to be slightly less close than it was in in that semi uh, final with Canada so I'm really really pleased that the Canadians fought the way that they did and I think it'll be exciting to see how they go against France. Rachel thank you again so much for joining us here it's it's borderline criminal how much I enjoy talking rugby with you. <laughs> <laughs> Have yourself a smashing weekend. Enjoy the incredible conclusion to this amazing tournament. I can't wait to talk all about it next week. Thank you so much for having me once again, David. And yes, enjoy the game. And I look forward to speaking to you next week. For sure. Cheers. Talk to you soon and be well.